Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us a chance to check out some of the recent conversations we've had on JM in the AM, and we start this week with a conversation we had with Rabbi Kenneth Brander, the head of Oratora Stone. He joined us from a conference that he was at in Central America. Uh, that conversation is next right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Well, it is an absolute pleasure and honor, as uh, is it always, as it always is uh, when he is a guest of ours, to welcome the uh, president and Rosh Yeshiva of Ortora Stone, or by Dr. Kenneth Brander, to our airwaves. Where Brander has this unique and uh, really unbelievable role this uh, this week. Uh, he is with Ortora um, Stones, Baron Amiel and Strauss Amiel emissary training programs in Cancun. Mexico, as they hold a conference of 42 of their North, Central, and South American emissaries to address ways to tackle critical issues affecting mainly smaller diaspora Jewish communities. All the way from Cancun, Mexico, by Dr. Kenneth Brander. Shalom. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. It's always a pleasure uh, to spend uh, any time with you, especially in a perm cut on a day in which we focus on miracles which I am actually experiencing right now in a host of various ways. I can only imagine how that feels for you, because it must be miraculous, number one, just to see and participate in a gathering like this and see the effect that the students of your uh, institution are having in such a large region of the world. And on top of that, to see the work that's being done and the problems that they're trying to solve and the very difficult circumstances that they are in. Can you describe to us some of the things that have already uh, that you've already witnessed as you've uh, visited with all these emissaries down in Cancun? Well, I mean, I think the challenge is obviously that the shlichim, the emissaries have in Teaneck, is different than those that they have in Monterey <laughs> or in other places. They're very different. But the, the, there's a larger narrative here, and that is how to help the spirituality and the continuity of the Jewish people. And what better way to do that? than to have emissaries who are willing to give not a year or two, but four, five, six, eight, ten years uh, to the service of communities throughout the, throughout the Jewish world. We have over 200 rabbinic couples like this. We're focusing now on North and South America. So some of the challenges, obviously, are people who um, want to come back to their Judaism, but they're already married to a non-Jew. So they have children which are halachically called Mizera Yisrael, where the, where the father might be Jewish and the mother's not, but now they all want to return. How do you deal with those challenges? How do you deal with the challenges in a small community where people want to find a Jewish spouse, but there are just not enough men or women to, uh, to be able to achieve um, that? And their struggles of how to do that, and perhaps creating a more global network to deal with some of these challenges. Or the issues of how do you build a Shabbos experience when not enough people live close enough uh, to the synagogue for Shabbat? Um, how do you teach Balei Tshuva, uh, people who want to return to Judaism, to engage in a stepwise process? And what are the important steps and what are the non-important steps? I just, uh, do you, someone who's, uh, desecrates the Shabbos in a very public way, his store or her store is open on Shabbat, the case where it's his store open on Shabbat, do, are they counted as part of the minyan on Shabbat? All of these challenges, some are nitty gritty, some are meta, how do you build a, 
a school in a community where you'd have to accept non-Jews in order for there to be a critical mass. These are the challenges that are happening in Nebraska. These are the challenges that are happening in Monterey. These are the challenges that are really happening in the latitude and longitude of the Jewish community. In some ways, it would be easier to say, hey, listen, we have a state of Israel. You know, we have other places that are strong, Teaneck strong, other New York is strong, Miami is strong. But even all of those communities are struggling with issues of spirituality, and they're also requesting shlichim. Now, we have shlichim in Miami, we have shlichim in, in, you know, in Teaneck, and so there are larger narratives, and I'm inspired by hearing this group of people come together and trying to deal with them and oh. giving their hearts and souls to do so. I can only imagine how inspiring it is. Our Torah Stone, President of Rosh Hashiva, by Dr. Kenneth Brander, is with us live via telephone from this three-day conference in Cancun, and you heard him mention that many North American communities around and across this country are represented, uh, but many distinguished communities as well in Central and South America are um, are represented as well. I mean, when you hear that the community of Ecuador that has a limited number of Jews, and again, mm-hmm. you're, and again, you're right that there are cities in the U.S. that that also have leadership but have limited number. I get that. But still, to us, you know, coming from this area of the world, when we hear about Ecuador and the efforts that are being made there to really inspire people and to get Jewish youth, the limited Jewish youth, into you know the into the Jewish spirit and into Jewish education and all this, again, I know in North America it's a sacrifice. For some reason, there it seems to us it's an even larger one. A hundred percent. When the diff, you know, when uh, when the idea. You know, in Teaneck, when you want to decide which restaurant you you, you, you go to your upset is, you know, you have to wait in line because there's only 30 restaurants to choose from. You know, in Ecuador, the definition of a restaurant is your kitchen. Right. Um, and if you do something really special, you turn the synagogue into, um, you know, a restaurant for a night. Or one of the places, because we sent a large group there, they actually went to one of the non-kosher restaurants and they made it kosher for a night. And the guy realized that the business was so good that he agreed to think, uh, on a trial period to perhaps uh, create a kosher restaurant there. So, I mean, there's always... But, but yes, the, the struggles there are so intense. Um, but I, I just see people's inspiration, both the leadership, these young couples uh, who are willing to give of themselves and of their children, but I also see these Jews who have decided whether they live in Ecuador or San Salvador or Cancun. I mean, Cancun has a community of 50 religious families. They never have a challenge with a minion three times a day. That's an unbelievable statement that they're making. You know, I'm not sure that mid-sized communities um, can, can make that statement. There's just a selflessness here. I am shocked and by that. The rabbinic couples here are just making a transformational difference. And my hope is that the next stage is that they bring this energy back to Israel and bring this creativity back to Israel and continue to make a difference there. I know that the I, – what I'm about to ask is not really the focus of this conversation because we're talking more about the efforts that are going on in these areas and the issues that they are facing, which you described so well. But I'm just so curious, where do you find people? To go to Guatemala City, I and mean, where 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 are you finding these these couples and families to dedicate themselves to to places that are uh, that are you know to us again far flung and uh, 
and, and, and not as attractive as some others around the world? Well, I think that's because of the very talented staff of Amiel, um, you know, Rabbi Birnbaum and Rabbi Benji and Rabbi Grunstein, as well as Rav Dani and uh, Rabbanit Ranana, who have a really a strong reputation in Israel of creating a program that trains people and making sure that when they go out to Chutzlaret, um, when they go out to the diaspora, that they really have a supportive infrastructure. And therefore, we go to the various yeshivot has their the various mechinot, um, the various midrashot, the mechalot, um, and we run and we run days of recruitment, and no different than you know you would run it for anything else of that nature. Right. And we have a whole bunch of people that apply f- to become part of our groups. We have around 35 uh, rabbinic couples in a class. Um, and we decide which we feel we can train and which we feel we can't train. My hope is, because we have more requests than we have uh, people in the program, my hope is over the next few years that we double that number. It's not uh, cheap to train uh, these young people and to keep up with them. And also keep in mind there's one other thing. Sometimes they can have challenges once they're there. There are the standard challenges, but, for example, there are two couples here who uh, their spouses, uh, while they're in Chutzlaret, um, they they have, you know, it's been, um, they've been informed that they have cancer. So you have a, a couple in Denver and a couple in, Mo- uh, in Monterey. Um, and uh, that's a whole new set of challenges when you've uh-huh. left your comfort zone and you're in a totally different place. And all of a sudden, you know, you're informed that you have a medical condition. And thank God... The communities have been there for them with excellent care, but we're also making sure that they're taken care of. So wow. the whole infrastructure is, is critical, both from the spiritual and their, and their physical needs. Rabbi Dr. Kenny Brander is with us live via telephone from Cancun, an amazing and incredible program being led by Ortora Stone. Um, recently, and we know how outspoken you and the leadership of Ortora Stone, or by Riskin certainly, and uh, many others, uh, many uh, of rabbinic authority affiliated with the uh, with the yeshiva and um, and program uh, have taken and the stand you've taken when it comes to agunot and trying to help women who are in very difficult and uh, and challenging situations. Um, bring us up to date on the most recent case that Oratora Stone has been involved with that in, that included the uh, Ravanut, the, uh, the rabbinic presidium of the state of Israel, and uh, how it affected the how it hopefully. Affected and will further affect uh, the the couple in question. Well, I think that's an extremely important uh, important question. I mean, thanks to the leadership of Rabbi Riskin and uh, a tremendous dedicated staff at one of our institutions called Yad Isha and the Mon- Monica Dennis Goldberg uh, adv- Advocacy Program. You know, every single year we deal with around seven hundred women who are. Um, struggling with receiving a get to give them legal counseling, and we work with around 150 of them in the various Jewish courts uh, to deal with the issue of Aguna. And one of the most recent cases, not the most recent, some of the more recent cases, including one that was solved yesterday, I can't discuss publicly, but this one I can discuss, and that was there was a couple that was married 10 years ago, and after the woman was halakhically converted after, you know, she, they were married after the woman was halakhi converted. And in 2001, 2011, they made aliyah. 
with one child from India. Before they made Aliyah and even afterwards, the woman was severely abused by her husband. In fact, in Israel, she was once hospitalized, and the police were called to some of the incidents. Three years ago, she sued for divorce. The husband asked for reconciliation. The bait didn't agree that maybe try to give it a second chance. He agreed to seize the, to stop the physical and the verbal abuse, but he didn't honor his commitment. The wife needed to leave home. And 10 months ago, the Beit Din said that she must uh, be given a get. And the husband refused. He said, I'll give a get only if she gives up all her property rights. You know, the standard uh, forms of additional abuse, not only verbal and not only physical, but financial abuse in order to get a get. Right. And she said no. And under the leadership of one of our Toanot, Rabbaniot, and that's women who have been trained in the laws and the halachot of the Ezer to be able to represent women in the Jewish court systems and the Rabbanut system. And the Rabbanut, to their credit, recognizes these women advocates as serious halachic personalities. I've heard that from both the chief rabbi, Rabbi Lau, as well as the people responsible for the Agunot. They, she came up with an idea, and that is that this particular husband, you know, he has a public works job. He's a driver for EGED, and EGED is a government-sponsored government institution. And the rule is that a government worker can't violate the law. And by not giving a get, and since the rabbinical courts are legal courts, he was violating family law. And therefore, we went to the rabbinical courts and we said, we are asking you, we are demanding of you, that you indicate to the egghead company that this man is in violation of the law. And if he doesn't give a get within 30 days, he needs to be fired. The Rabbanut immediately thought that this was a great idea, wow. to their credit. And it was in all the newspapers. And around a week ago, they informed Eged and this man that if he doesn't give a get now in you know, three weeks, uh, he will be terminated from his position as a bus driver for Eged, which is a pretty nice position to have. Right. It's a good decision, not hopefully because it will get her a get, but it's just a good decision because it is showing the ability for the Rabbanut and for women advocacy groups like Yad Isha to begin to be proactive. And we need to be more proactive, not just for women who are Gunot. We need to promote the prenuptial agreement like there is in, you know, in, in Chutzlaret, like there is in North America. We need to be proactive. There are hundreds of women's or Agunot, I think this not only affects those couples, Nahum, I think it affects how Jews look at Judaism in Israel, because they hear this issue of Agunah, and it's a moral outrage. And that's why there are less couples getting married through the rabbinical courts, because they just don't believe that it has the proper insurance, so to say, to make sure that if they're in a crisis, it can be dealt with. What a very so, important point. What a very right. important point. So we're we're very focused on this idea, and hopefully we have friends within the Rabbanut. I believe we do. I think Chief Rabbi Lau is a friend. Uh, we're 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 advocating and pushing very strongly. At the same time, because we're outside the system, we can also do things and advocate in ways that 
not always the rubber nut feels as friendly, but uh, it's to achieve a larger goal of uh, saving women and inspiring and being sanctifying God's name. Amazing. All right, Dr. Kenneth Brander, um, he is now in Cancun, part of a conference of 42 of the North, Central, and South American emissary Shlichim uh, to this side of the world, addressing ways to tackle critical issues affecting mainly smaller diaspora Jewish communities, and the list just gets larger and larger when it comes to those difficulties and challenges, and thank God we have good people in place dealing with them. All right, Brander, continued success with the conference, and of course heading back... And Nachum, continue to be... An advocate for us all over the world. I can just tell you that in Katamon, uh, your show is listened to on a regular basis. Uh, you can walk down the street in Katamon and sometimes hear from the open windows the Nachum Siegel Network. So I don't know if that's true in Beersheba, but it's definitely true in Katamon. Greatly appreciate that. And my cousins in Beersheba, I'm sure, would confirm it. So <laughs> thank you so much, Ryan Brander. Be well and thanks for joining okay. us. Okay. Take care, Nachum. Dr. Kenneth Brander from Cancun of all places, with a very important update from our friends at Artura Stone here at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Rabbi Kenneth Brander of Artura Stone. Up next, Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz joined us. We spoke about some very sensitive topics about uh, abuse uh, that takes uh, place uh, in our community, some of them very high-profile cases that he's been involved with. Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz is next on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. It has been a long time, unfortunately, uh, since we've had Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz in studio, but fortunately he is here this morning. Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz is founding dean of Yeshiva Darche Noam of Muncie, New York. <clears throat> he is an innovative educator, author, and child safety advocate. He published child safety books that are in 70,000-plus homes, because I think at this point it's already over 100,000 in three languages, as well as beginner Gemara and Chumash workbooks. Rabbi Horowitz conducts child abuse prevention and parenting workshops in Jewish communities around the world, received the prestigious 2008 Covenant Award in recognition of his contribution to Jewish education. Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz, welcome to JM in the AM. Oh, Nachum, it's a pleasure to be back. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time. Yes, yes, 10 years. Um, I thought of you, um, as I said to you when we saw each other in person, for a variety of reasons. Every time, a, unfortunately, every time I hear about a high-profile child abuse case in our community, I think of you. Every time I see a struggling student in elementary school who cannot make uh, heads or tails of what Aramaic is all about, I think of you. And frankly, when I spoke earlier this week on the air to Miriam Schwab, I thought of you. Because Miriam Schwab is a woman who was offered... Uh, she heads a very prominent um, a company in Israel. She wears a head covering, a very appropriate head covering, on a regular basis. She is noticeably orthodox, let's put it that way. And when asked uh, by a major publication to uh, do a profile on her, she said that uh, she asked if they plan on publishing a picture of her, and they said no, so she turned it down. She did say... Uh, to me uh, during the conversation that if it would be a publication that would publish no pictures of anybody, she would have agreed. And when they did say they would compromise with her and have a sketch of her as opposed to a real photo, she said, if you're going to sketch, sketch the guys, right, you're going to sketch the men, I will do it. But if not, then et cetera. We spoke with her. It was a very interesting conversation. Some people accused us of being divisive. I don't know about it being divisive. So, yeah, and so <laughs> what on. What else right? is known? <laughs> exactly. And the reason I thought of you when she was on is because, and in fact, I quoted you. 
Um, you had given us a couple of unique perspectives when I saw you about this whole issue. One of them, which she really enjoyed, was um, uh, was the perspective of you know what what do you think of us as men if you think we can't handle you know pictures of properly dressed you know headshots of women in our community. That's number one. And the second thing, the second point that you had made to us was that if if we are not going to give our daughters uh, role models, models, proper role models to view, to see, and to you know internalize based on those photos, then the only photos they will be seeing will be, you know, pe- people who are who are who are likely not involved in what our community likes people to be involved yeah. with. See, that wasn't controversial the way you said that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was very PC. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's. I think that this move over the past twenty five years, I don't think it's it's uh I don't think it's a step forward. I, I and I, and you know, look, you know, thank God Nachem, you and I were cut from the same cloth. We speak our minds. People agree, people disagree, that's okay. Um but you know, I, I, I do feel very strongly that, that on so many levels this is this is very problematic, including uh which you didn't mention I put on my Facebook page a few uh, when about a year ago, two years ago. Um, I wrote eight different reasons why I think this is very hard. This is really not a good idea, and one of them is like, what message are we giving to our daughters? Um, we have a ten-year-old granddaughter. Um, she has a chumash party. She has an event in her school. She's starting a new whatever. Um, they have an event. The boys' school has an event. Why is her brother's uh, event worthy of? Um, publishing, publishing, yeah, you know, if it didn't, you didn't, if it's not there, it didn't happen, right? right? So, I mean, well, it's just on so many levels, and I think what she did, I, 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 I commend her for her stand. Um, you know, when, when I was on on Miriam's show, I, I mentioned about our own dinner when right. I, we had our yeshiva dinner. Um, I, I only made one condition with the board, and that was that every publication, it's not going to say Rabbi and Mrs., it's going to say Rabbi Yaakov and Odi Horowitz. And uh, we did this on our wedding invitations. I didn't do the reyasa, I think. <laughs> um, she's my wife. She's my best friend and my partner. And we do things together. And I said that there, there, I wanted, it has to be a picture of my wife and I together. And when they said that some publications won't run the ads, I said, then we just won't run the ads. I said, uh, I'm sorry. And I, 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 I made no other conditions. Right. And they... Followed through with that Look, to whatever degree they right. could. Right, you know, most most what happens is usually the moderates roll over, right, and the extremists are extreme. Right. The moderates are moderate in their positions, right, and they're moderate in the way they advocate for those positions. Right. The extremists are extremists in positions and are extremists about speaking up, right. So m- most people, you and I, are, you know, we're wired differently. Right. But most people, yeah, you know, picture, no picture, whatever. Right. But the question is, are I mean, is is this a battle worth fighting? It seems that very often, if not always, because of what you just described, the the way the extreme people deal with these things, it seems like we always end up losing these things. Is losing the wrong word? Well, yeah, well, it's not. It's not. It's not a question of losing. What happens is when 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 people in the middle are silent, and it, it's not a. I don't look at it like it's a battle. It's not a battle. The world's not going to come to an end. It didn't come to an end without the pictures being there. But I think we should. I think we should um, speak up, speak right. up, and express our opinions. There's nothing. It's healthy to have disagreements respectfully. I think that that's another part of it. 
Right. And also, I mean, and, and we'll move on to other topics in a minute, but there, you know, there's the whole, we understand, everybody listening understand, even those who don't observe, understand the importance of adhering to to halachic Judaism. Everyone understands the importance, of, no matter what, to whatever degree we do, in fact, adhere. But when things are introduced that are not part of halachic Judaism, where, where, where if we gathered 30 rabbis, and you could choose 15 and I could choose 15, and brought them into this room and asked them, does anybody feel that a picture of Miriam Schwab, her headshot, you know, with her head covering in a business section of a magazine is a halachic problem? I, I, would, I would assume all 30, if they were being honest, would... I, I couldn't think of any who would say that it's, right, I that couldn't it's a think of a single one who would say it's So when a we start to drift into areas that are not halachic and... and and do and do these things with again the result very often which we don't see right away you know being that we believe that you know our daughters or the daughters of the community are I don't want to use the word suffering but you know that there that that there's a statement being made to them and about them it's it, it's it's even more troubling if it was yeah. a halachic issue it would right. be and, easier and, to deal with correct and and it, it's more than that when you know I was an eighth grade rabbi for fifteen years and I ran my yeshiva for over twenty. Um, during that time, I was always careful with my students to specify this is a halacha, a, a, a Jewish law. Right. This is a minig. This is a custom. This is common practice. And this is whatever. Like right. I always said these four categories. So <laughs> The know, last one is off the charts. Yeah, <laughs> no. But I think it's really important because what happens is uh, my, one of my rabbis used to say, Alice is usud, Alice is mitter. If everything is forbidden, everything is... Right, everyone's going to do everything's, it. No, then, no right. then everything is... If everything is forbidden right. the, and you don't have moderation, then everything becomes okay right. because you can't... It, it, and, and it's the same thing with, with, um, with children abandoning religion. We have, you know, you say we, we have certain boundaries. When we grew up, um, the, 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 the guardrails you know, on the two sides of the road were much wider than they are today. Um, there was more tolerance for kids who dressed differently. Right. Kids, and, and so what happens is I always tell people, every time you act a stringency, whenever you enact a stringency, you're telling a certain percentage of the, of the people that you're really not welcoming. Right. So you wind up narrowing uh, uh, the, the, the place where we should, instead of opening and being more open, you wind up narrowing it because you're offending people or some people don't find this practice okay. And I think it's really important, you know. I, I, I when I was a, when I was a school principal, um, for example, um, in my yeshiva there was a dress code. The, the boys wore a right. hat and jacket. I never ever discussed it with the kids during davening. If someone came without a jacket, I never said a word till after davening. Then I would go over and tell them because and tell them, yeah, yes, please, you know, don't forget your hat and jacket tomorrow. But I never wanted to make it a, a, a public where the kids would be embarrassed. Or right. Anything. But but more than that, um, if sometimes like Mincha would start and I was busy in a meeting and I was in shirt sleeves, I would come into shul and dive into my shirt sleeves. I wouldn't I wouldn't sit in my place up front near the near the Torah. Right. I would stand in the back because I wasn't dressed properly. But I wanted to give the kids a message that if you're not wearing a hat and jacket, don't miss davening. Right. That's what I mean. That's what happens. Right. When you say everybody has to wear a hat and jacket, it's great. I did it in my own yeshiva. But when you say this is the only way to daven, what you're saying is that if you're not dressed like this, 
which is only a custom, you could say perhaps it's a halacha, right. depending on how you look at but it. But nonetheless, even even so, davening. right? Even so, how you have no people, hat. You have to daven. How many people miss davening because they don't feel that they're going to be comfortable in shul? So I wanted to give my kids a message that don't miss davening. Okay, do something differently. I didn't sit up front, but that was my way of of, of being mechanach of, of educating our children that there that is priorities. I think. This this business with women pictures is just a microcosm. It's just a, right. a a microcosm of this notion of just piling on additional stringencies that never existed that aren't rabbinic. Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz is here now. You have, and I know we're bouncing from topic to topic, but there's a lot I want to cover. You've been involved, and I'm I am mentioning this and concentrating on it because there's an actual book, different versions of the same book available to help parents and children on this issue. You've been involved over the years with some high-profile, and knowing you probably some low-profile as well, cases of abuse in our community. Literally, you've taken on uh, or have been there to support, uh, taken on meaning the perpetrators and, and, and been there to support meaning the victims yep. in some very high-profile and I would say dangerous, uh, dangerous for you, uh, cases of abuse in the community. Yep. And, and I'm very proud of it. And first of all, how do you get involved in that? Do you, do you read a newspaper one day or see a blog post and say, "Oh my God, this young woman needs someone in our community to help her," you know, in this situation against this monster? I got to go out there and 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 be that person. Is that how it works? Uh, well, you know, um, every every situation is different. I mean, obviously, I assume the one you're referring to is Nehemia Weber, right. which was. You know, I felt at probably the, time, the most high-profile one you were involved. The, in. I, I felt at the time when it first came to me, I felt that it would be the most important child abuse case in my lifetime, because you had a a, a young lady within the statute of limitations, um, willing to come forward and testify against a very high-profile person with a lot of support, with a lot, huh, a lot of support, <laughs> and and I felt that as a teachable moment. I wrote about probably 15, 20 articles during that time right. because everybody's attention was focused on it. But how'd you meet her? How did you... So I, I, just for example, in that case, I was called by the DA's office and they asked if I would, if I would help, without specifics, would I support this victim who came forward? Um, I did a lot of diligence before I got involved. I actually spoke to, I, I asked the, the, the ADA that I spoke to, I said, do you, do you, per, you know, I assume... If this girl is coming forward, I'm sure there are many other victims. Have you personally spoken to others? So she said, yes, many. But so they won't come forward. I said, give them my number, and I'm not getting involved until I speak to a few victims. I spoke to four victims before I, before I even— before Vic- I, Victims of this same person. Victims of the Chemiwev, yep. And I, I, um, they all told me—none of them knew each other. It was all—it was confidential— I, I didn't ask for their names, but, you know, you could hear. And, right. and they, they discussed certain things. I wrote that in a piece, too. Um, they discussed certain um, elements of the way he groomed them and the things that he said that were chillingly similar. Like he had an M.O. that that uh, that he did. I mean, I, I don't want to get nauseating. One of the things that, that I probably, you know, he used to, Tell them that they were married in a previous Gilgal reincarnation, and convince them of that. I swear to you. And then he would, then he would wow. say, and then that was a way for him to have relations with them. Right. And then he said that they were fixing whatever. So, like, you don't hear that. So, like, I, 
I did my diligence very, very carefully. I, I put 30 years of my reputation on the line. And your life, mo- most likely, well, right? Well, death threats, yes. It was right, very, there were very, people very that nasty. wanted to actually kill you. Well, yeah, whatever. I asked my wife separately and each of my children before I, took it, before I got involved, if I could do this. I knew... The height of this case is how many years ago? Uh, it, was it was 2012. Not that long ago. 2012. Oh. And, and, Where and, is he now? He's in jail. He's not eligible for parole. And without your involvement, would he have gone to jail? You don't know. I don't know. I, I know that. Look, the 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 D. I actually I I did some things to support the victim. Um, I actually never met her until the trial. I just expressed my my support publicly um, that at least I, her story was credible. I did not make a decision to go public until the fundraiser. If you look at the timeline, right. I went public with when my people, support. When you needed money, they to... did a fundraiser. They raised half a million dollars from for Weberman's Defense Fund. Uh, Twelve hundred people showed up. It was covered all over the media, and I said at that point, I said, just just reiterating to the audience, it was a fundraiser for the perpetrator, not the victim. For the perpetrator, right? it a moment ago, I thought it was for the victim. Defen- it's, I'm sorry, it's for the perpetrator. This was the Weberman fundraiser. Thank you. Right, it was a Weberman fundraiser. When 12, that happened, and half tw- a million was 1, raised. Twelve hundred people attended. 1,200 people attended the event. And look, he's entitled to, people right. entitled to, you know, right. he, he, he's, he, look, innocent until proven guilty. Uh, I, I certainly didn't say he's guilty. Right. You know, I felt in my heart he was guilty because of what I had heard from these other victims. Um, I also, by the way, spoke to six therapists, six separate therapists who treat people in that community. And I asked them, and everyone said, oh my God, like, I said, no confidentiality. Don't break any confidentiality. Right. So, like, I did my diligence, but he's entitled to a presumption of innocence, and he's entitled to have a fundraiser. I felt that the public nature of that fundraiser was a statement that the posse, we're all here, and, you know. Right, come get us. So, so it, was also, it was also, you know, the, the fact that I, one of the heartbreaking things about this is that, is that very often the children who are abused act out antisocially, whether religiously or you know, starting to, God forbid, use substance abusing. So then the abusers turn around and say, you're going to believe that dopey? Right. You're going to believe this young lady who's not uh, keeping Shabbat anymore or is dressed this way over him? And I say to myself, well, if you have a 15-year-old kid who's doing X, Y, and Z already, that leads me to believe that she was abused, not, right. not abused. So, you know, really, this was a, it was a gut check for me, but I felt that, you know, because how, I was there, I just felt that I felt obligated. How are these victims today? His victim, the one, that one, I have I, we haven't spoken to any of the others. She's doing amazingly well. She got a degree in social work. She's actually helping kids now. I'm gonna. That's amazing. You're getting very emotional. Yep. That that's amazing. Um, she's actually she's actually working for an organization that supports teens at risk now. Unbelievable. And by by the way, the. the most ironic thing was I spoke to her employer, and she's the most soft-spoken. She's like, you would, if you lined up 50 people, she'd be the last person you think would have the guts to do this. Right. She just, I, I asked her why she's doing this, and she's very she's so soft-spoken. Um, she said, I don't want this to happen to anybody else. Wow. She's saving lives. She just said that. And, you know, somebody came over. One of the most moving moments for me uh, during that whole unbelievable experience I could write four books about it. Um, a, a woman, a, a woman came. She was on the stand, and there was like a break in the action. She went to a room there, and I was there with her husband. Um, and 
this young lady came in and five, eight, ten years older than than the victim, and she asked her for forgiveness. For not coming forward. For not coming forward. <laughs> I, 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 I can't begin. I, we, I ran out of the room. She said, please be mochumly. Please forgive me. If I, if I would have come if forward, I would have you wouldn't be here. I would have done what you did. Right. It wouldn't have happened to you. And, you know, you can't make this stuff up. But, you know, sometimes you just, you know, you have an opinion, you have a thought, and from time to time you have a real gut check when uh, when the rubber meets the road. Was and, it this episode that led to the child safety books? No, we actually we were uh, we were working on it beforehand. I went to Rabbi Zlatowitz a long time ago, and this was specifically for parents and children to have a book that they could uh, that they could um, right. pursue this, together. This was a preventative book. It, it is. It's right. a book. It's called Let's Stay Safe. You know, you can look it up, or you can get it online. That's available in any any Judaica store in the world. Basically, it's an Art Scroll book, and, and we purposely did a partnership with Art Scroll because. Um, you wanted it everywhere. We wanted it everywhere. You know, it was a financial decision that worked against our interests very right. much. I gave them a finished manuscript, um, but we had a board. This we had a, a two-hour board talk whether we should do it. And and you know, my trustee Mark Mark Karasik, who who's been a, a Mark and Linda have been amazingly supportive, uh, funding our work in child child safety. The name is on the book. Um, he said he said at one point in the conversation that ended the conversation. He said, "Look, we we can either get." Um, 100% of the content, meaning I'll put in everything I want, I won't edit it or anything, to, to 50% of the people, or we'll get 80% of the content to 100%, 100% of the people. And, and that one, I said, okay, we're done. And Rabbi Mayer, I, 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 I'm still grateful to him. It was a gutsy move on his part. It was, not, it was a long time, it was nine years ago. Right. We had the first conversation different 11 atmosphere. years ago. Different atmosphere. And, and he, you know, you talk about having the guts to put a woman's picture in the paper. Could you imagine? I mean, what he... He was expecting of all out assault, you know. Um, for, for I mean, the, you look at the book; there, it's only it's the most appropriate thing in the world. But but but, that, but many people, I'm sure, would have problems with it. Not, you know something? <laughs> Honestly, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that that Rabbi Zlatowitz and Art Scroll and Rabbi Sherman stood behind it. The Badlchaim Tovim, but um, we never got pushback ever. Any of the book. I, I have uh, we sold three thousand of. Books to Satma community in Kiryas Island, Monroe. I did workshops in New Square. That book is in what in Yiddish? The Yiddish book that I showed you is in. We it was. Uh, we go offline. I'll show you a picture of the Satma Manal, the the principal reading the book to three hundred and fifty kids. Um, one of my trustees has it in his office. Plus, so, in Israel, you said this is now in Israel. We got finally getting around. Yeah, you you we, said it's not as fast as here, but it's getting there. Well, it's not not as fast. Change is happening faster there, but the, you know the. They were considerably years behind where we right. were in this curve. And, you know, things tipped here. And, like, I think the Weberman trial had a lot. About that time, it's, things just started to tip. Look, um, the, the fellow who's suing me, Yona Weinberg, the, the abuser, uh, he went to trial. He had 200 supporters in, in the courtroom every single day. It was 2009. It's not so long ago, That's I was in your... Studio before then. <laughs> in 2009, Yona Weinberg had 200 people every day in, 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 in court. I spoke to the mother of the victim. She had five, six people in her corner. He had 90 letters of support. He had 90 letters of support from very prominent people. Uh, and this was only 10, 10 years ago, Nachum. And then all of a sudden it tipped, and none of those, I don't, think, I, I don't think a single one of those 90 would do it today. They're all embarrassed. But... Um, but whatever, you know, we, we changed here. And then, like, when I started 
getting aware of what was going on in Israel, it was like deja vu all over again. Like I moved back to 2008, but we've made enormous progress. I mean, the Rabbanim, I was begged by Rabbanim. I met with a major Hasidish Rebbe three weeks ago. In Israel. In Israel. I met with the Rebbe personally, a major, major Hasidish Rebbe. I showed him the book. He absolutely loved it. He took $200 out of his pocket, and he said, I want to be your partner. Huh. Honest to goodness. And, and we're, we're negotiating. We're talking still. You know, he might, hopefully he's, I asked him to, to get a book for every one of his families. Right. Now, Rebison Kolodetsky, Reb Chaim's daughter, gave us a letter of support. She asked me when, when we first, after she gave me the letter of support for the Haredi Hebrew book, um, she asked me, she'll give it to me on the condition that I bring her the first 10 books for Reb Chaim's children grandchildren, and she's actually giving out free copies. I gave her, as one of my chutzpah, <laughs> gutsy <laughs> things to do, I said, I, she's such a fan of the book. I said, Jefferson, I'll drop off 500 books here, and you give pe- people come to you for blessings. Right. For Ruchos, give them a free book. Right. And she said, Dada. So we have a sticker. Could you imagine what that's going to do for the culture on the Haredi book? It's a, I'll show you a picture. This a gift a, of? A sticker, Matana, <laughs> is a gift from Rebetzin Kolodetsky to help keep Jewish children safe. So, you know, I, I Unbelievable. just think creatively in every way. Um, I think that's the real message. Things are really changing. There's a lot that needs to change still, but but things are really changing. Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz is here. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web at com on the Nachum Siegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. We're talking about child safety. The book is available. We should reiterate Let's that people... Let's stay safe. They can Let's get stay our safe. Our website is thebrightbeginnings, plural, dot com, T-H-E-B-R-I-G-H-T, beginnings, with an S at the end, dot com. They can get it on our book. They can get it at ArtScroll. They can get it... Um, it's actually on Amazon, you know, that, that book. And then we have in Yiddish, uh, it's available in... Lots and lots of bookstores, and in Israel, but we're selling it subsidized. If any of your listeners from Israel, it's subsidized in all your Feynov stores and other stores. We're selling it for 15 shekel. I raised money. 15 shekels is about four bucks. Right. I, $3, whatever. We raised, I raised money. I still raise money to give to subsidize the books. So and we should mention fun. that for Israel, you have both a Haredi edition and a Dati Lumi edition. Right. So the pictures are culturally congruent. Right. But the, the important thing for us, uh, educationally, is that the children should look at it and feel that, it, that it's relevant to their lives. Unbelievable. And the case, and we'll move on to other topics in a minute, the case you're involved with now uh, that you just wrote about this week uh, is demanding the extradition of, what is this woman's Malka name? Malka Leifer. Okay, and that's because she is an abuser. Uh, an alleged abuser. She's an alleged abuser. She's an alleged what abuser. you're asking for is that she be tried in the appropriate place or not in Israel? In, in, in Australia. In Australia. See, we're, the, the, we're, well... Well, she 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 uh, um, she's she's accused. She has seventy four counts of child abuse uh, registered against her in Australia. I think ten years ago or so, she scooted out to Israel, and that's the same thing that Weinberg did, the same thing that Mandrowitz did. That that, that and they're both still there. They're both still there. Right. Sure, sure. And and um, what what happens is the 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 Chokashvut, this beautiful law of return. Is you which which was founded? I mean, the backstory is uh, Israel made this chokash with the law of return. So after World War II, that every Jew has a home, and right. it, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. The problem is abusers abuse <laughs> it. Um, I'm, I started an article today about this whole Leifer thing, and I I, I, introduced, I introduced it by saying about the story. This rabbi ha- has a sermon, and he woke woke up the audience. He's doing a Shabbos Hagadol before Passover, and 
and he wants to raise money for funds for needy families who can't afford the Passover staples. So he says, uh, you know, folks, there's a time and a place where people should totally abandon their belief in God. <laughs> he looks up and he says, when there's a campaign to raise money, don't stay the Abish to tell from that. God's going to help. <laughs> That's how I started the article. And, and I just wrote it on the way here in the car. Uh, someone else was driving. And, 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 and um, you know, I wrote there that we should suspend this charitable thing, um, belief in, believe in people, you know, all these wonderful, wonderful things. Right. The, that, ba- the basic Jewish principle and of... And Pidyan Shvuyim. Right. Uh, the, 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 believe it or not, there were ads running in Israel now, uh, Pidyan Shvuyim in Hebrew, you know, of course means... Uh, so, uh, work for the release of prisoners. Release of prisoners, which right. in, 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 you know... Generally for those who are... Who in Jewish history have been innocent, have been have been wrongly imprisoned, right. wrongly imprisoned, and also prison was a death sentence. Right. It wasn't like and Pidgin Shevi really means captive, not in a formal prison where right. some warlord grabs you, puts a, puts somebody in a you know in a, in a cage somewhere, and and so so we consider it the highest uh, level of charity. Right. Now they're saying get Malkalifer out of prison. It's Pidgin Shevi. Right. That's what really got me worked up to write to write this. Is piece. she in fact in prison right now? Um, there was a whole thing. What happened was she she went to many hearings again and again and again, and she um, she would get these letters from doctors that she's not normal, that she's not able to to, to stand. Uh-huh. No, no, she's not only to be extradited; she can't even function at the hearing. Uh-huh. And um, what happened is actually, uh, I mean, you, you, uh, so they're actually considering extradition. Yeah, sure. I mean, now now there's been discussion, but. The, there are these three sisters from Australia who've been schlepping to Israel for the hearings, and I can't even imagine. I have this nonsense. This guy's suing me. It's you know Weinberg. It's not going to change my life. I mean, these are victims. They go into court and they watch this woman who abused them shuffle in and say, you know, she's not capable of 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 uh, standing trial or whatever it is, and they keep pushing it off for years. You should just read it. You read the. It's it's unbelievable, and and. Um, what what JCW um, hired a detective to film her, and they filmed her walking around the neighborhood there. Totally and, normal person. And she went. Well, the, you know what I mean. There was actually I, I can't testify to this, but I, I mean I do a reports in the paper that she was actually tutoring kids already. In in she's in Beitari Lit. I one of my one of my Facebook posts yesterday. Um, I wrote a post there that the people, for people who think that it's a mitzvah to take in, you know, Malka Leifer or whatever it is, would you? I, I didn't write her name. I wrote any abuser. Right. You, oh, like I wrote like Malka Leifer. If if you think it's it's a wonderful uh, positive That's commandment it. to do this, great. Take him into your home. Would you put them in with your home, or your grandchildren, or it's only okay when you're risking other people's lives? That's what I wrote there. Just simple. If if, if you believe that it's charitable to 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 get this woman out of prison and put her somewhere, are you willing to take her in your house? And if you're not, how dare you support the fact that she should go out and molest other people's children? Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz is here. Yeshiva Darchinom is, is still around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stepped down a few. A few we actually merged with uh, Rabbi Rudinsky's Aruvain. Oh, he's my, amazing. My, my dear, Rudinsky. dear friend. Yep, yep. See, he's, he's, he's a... How do I say? Yes, yes. He's a he, he's a rabbinic leader who seems to. Well, you could see he and I getting along, right? Who seems to be very <laughs> well thought out. Yeah, yeah. He's a tremendous Talmud Chacham, and um, but nonetheless has yeah, sometimes absolutely. today when you say Talmud Chacham, you're right. not sure. <clears throat> so when I saw actually when I saw this situation in Israel, um, I went 
about four or five years ago, and I was aghast. I, I felt like I, I was back in America in 2005, 2000, when nobody wanted to hear anything. Right. And I, you know, another tough decision. You know, I decided that plus my desire to do the Gemara books, I decided to step down from the yeshiva like over a period, gradually over a period of right. a year. And um, so I stepped down a few years ago to concentrate on child safety and this new generation of Gemara materials. And why did we need a new generation of Gemara materials? You want the elevator pitch? Yes, because, <laughs> because we're running out of time, but okay. we have to cover it. Gemara is a tort law class in a foreign language with no punctuation. Okay? And we expect fourth graders to get it. Exactly. Whatever, fifth, sixth, right. whatever it is. Uh, that's really what it is. It's really, really – why are you smiling? Because it's like preparing for the LSATs, and you wouldn't do that to a fifth grader. It, it, it wouldn't do it to an adult. Wouldn't do it to an adult. Right? If you look at the Balchuvi yeshivas, the yeshivas for newly observant people, you see a lot of these Balchuvi, people who embraced religion in their 20s or 30s, a lot of them are learning Gemara beautifully. Right. One of the things that I tell one, when evaluating Balchuvi yeshivas, I ask them, how do you teach Gemara? And some of them say, well, we get them a chavrusa, we get them a study partner. But the big ones are Sameach and Aish. They have a six-month program that looks like my book uh, without uh, the materials. I'm actually we're, we're trying to get a pub. I'm working on getting it published for adults without the graph, without the, the children's graphics. But they take the children. They take these adults. They're bright people, and you just sit down with them. You say, okay, here's how Gemara works. Gemara is a discussion. Um, it goes through the following steps. There's a statement. There's a, a question. A, a request for information. Shaila's bearer. There's an answer. There's a proof. There's a refutation of the proof. There's a there's a and have them explain how the steps work, who these people are, why it's important, um, all the things that you need to to know in order to learn Gemara. And I got this, you know, the the passion to make these books. Part of it was my own experience as a student. I, I, I honestly, I'm not being modest, and I'm not proud of it. I, I really didn't learn a word till I was like 16. Um, I'm, you see how restless I am now. Could you imagine me? <laughs> Would you want it to be? You want it to be eighth grade, Revy? So I'm saying so. so you know, school was a big struggle for me, and I would have benefited enormously from these videos. People say, oh, oh yeah, I wish I would have had this when I was a kid. Oh, where were you when I was a kid? I say, where was I when I was a kid? Right. <laughs> and, so, so, and, that, and then also I taught uh, uh, a remedial track of Gemara for 15 years, and my students came to me, um, some of whom you know well from the, public, uh, from the entertainment industry, um, uh, these great kids, talented. Maya Fertig is my first student, my first year. He's a great kid. Look how spunky he is, how brilliant and Amazing man. Yeah, so, like, you know, the kids, they, they, they just came in. They were bewildered that they never got Gemara. Like, why can't I get this? I can get everything else. They weren't taught. They just, the, these pieces of information. So if the introduction to Gemara is, Elam Shaloi, how do you expect the kids to? So some people do, some people right. don't. So we made this program with the, basically, the background information to begin with. That There's a green pages. We have a pre-Gemara section. That's by far, you know, that's the most popular. And then we actually have the, the lessons broken down, the components with translation words and, and, and all the graphics and, and the visual aids that kids need. Um, so thank God we're in over 100 schools. We sold 6,000 copies of that 
first Brachas book without, and, without even saying a single ad. I and you mentioned that Rabbi Aaron Spivak is a big force yes, behind this. Yes, he's, a, he's, he's, he's it. He's the author. And um, who, who should be looking? Well, you said 100 schools, right? Yep. Said, but there are a lot of other schools, right? Yep. I mean, they, they, how, how would people go about? So they can, they can just go to thebrightbeginnings.com. They could look up your know, Google search, Yaakov Horowitz, Beginner Gemara. might be easier for people. We have a lot of videos that are free on YouTube that that uh, that help people. I actually, if anybody's interested, if you've never gotten Gemara, if you're in yeshiva for 15 years and you never got Gemara, or if you're a, a woman, a single mom trying to do Gemara homework with your kids, I there's a go do his Google search on YouTube. It's a YouTube video. It's called uh, Ground Floor to Art Scroll in an Hour. I designed a class for people who never opened the Gemara or Mishnais in their life. I did a 55-minute class. I did it for <laughs> Sister to Sister, which is an organization for divorced mothers. Wow. Um, it's free. It's on YouTube. Nachum, find someone who doesn't know Gemara. Give them the video. I, I, no guarantees in life. I, can almost, I could almost tell you that they'll, there's a very decent chance that they'll be able to pick up an art scroll Gemara and learn on their own after, after just understanding the basics. You're pretty amazing, I must say. Thebrightbeginnings.com. Thebrightbeginnings.com would be the uh, uh, easiest way, I guess. Right. Oh, just Google search. Yeah, uh, Yaakov Horowitz, uh, Beginner Gemara, uh, Bright Beginnings, you know, Talmud. Uh, really easy these days, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's a lot easier. To find all this stuff. Yeah, yes, it is. Pretty amazing. Uh, and if you're uh, one of the schools that's not part of the 100 schools that already has the introductory Gemara books, you may want to look into that very seriously. Plus... If you're a family that doesn't have the child safety books yet, or again, a community or yep. a leader of a group, whether it be a class, a principal, et cetera, and you don't think that this book has made inroads in your circle, in your get school, in. et cetera, get yeah. it in there as soon as possible. Again, you can contact Rabbi Horowitz on that one. And um, in terms of everything else that you continue to advocate for and fight for, uh, all I could say is kolakavod. Thank you, Nachum. It's, it's an honor to be here. It's are a pleasure. We've got to do this more often. I agree with that. Are you rooting for the Yeshiva University basketball team tomorrow? And the reason I'm asking you that question yes. is because I find that you are one of those people that understands the value of representing the Jewish people well, no matter what the arena is, excuse the pun. And Absolutely. when guys get on the court with yarmulkes and act like mention and Absolutely. get a reputation Absolutely. that they have, which is not just great ball players, but the, the type of people you want to hang out with and yep. you want your kids to hang Absolutely. out with. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar, but they are, they, they are, they are, they are makbid on having Divrei Torah in the locker room before the oh, that's game. That's amazing. I'd love to go. Tell me when, when's the game? 12 noon tomorrow. Do I save you a seat or not? <laughs> uh, in Washington no, I'm, Heights. I'm actually going to be on my way to, uh, <laughs> I'm going, I'm lecturing in the, in, in Cherry Hill. Can I at least Jersey. text you with the results? Absolutely. <laughs> but I just want to tell you something. Is, sure. is it really, I know, I know it would press the time, but, um, athletics are so important. Kids learn right. so much from it. I think it's so unfortunate that, that there aren't enough organized sports for the kids. You know, there's a craft stadium in Jerusalem. Sure. And our son-in-law was playing in a flag football team. He's a, you know, he's a, you kind of guy. He's a, he's a football <laughs> he's player. He's a football player. <laughs> David Mayalova's name is. He's in, he's in, they live in Baltimore with our daughter, Feige. And um, I, I, we were in a hotel, and, and uh, there, was a, there was a playoff game that night. We were in a hotel for Shabbos. So I said, we're going to the game tonight. So one of the guys says, oh, he says, you know, when we were in Yishalayim, we sat and learned. Right. We had time for this you stuff. Football, I yeah. said, yeah. I said, come to me tonight to Kikar Tzion. I'll show you what they're dealing crack in the street. Right. I said, you know, it's, a, it's when parents say, should I let my child do this? That my standard answer is you didn't finish the sentence. 
if I don't do, the, if I say no, then what are, what the are they going to do? Right? And, and about sports, by the way, I used to use sports and All the years I was teaching, I never went to class without reading the sports section that day. Because I, I knew that there was going to be something. I, I never went to this class. I used to order the Times, and I'd read the sports section before and, the internet. And when we asked my father, who was born in Russia and then lived in Palestine mm-hmm. most of his youth, yep. why he knew baseball, you know, and when we would ask him sure. this when we were kids, he said he knew he had to learn baseball in order to relate to the youth in the United States. Rabbi Scharnberg, Rabbi Chaim Scharnberg, all of Shalom, the great tzaddik from Yish- sure. I, I brought my kids, I, I brought my students to him for a bracha. So he walks in, he says, are you a Yankee fan or a Met fan? <laughs> I kid you not. He says, all Met fans go out. <laughs> oh my gosh, is that <laughs> and then funny. He was, he was trash talking with them about the, you know, it was hysterical. But what, this is why he did it. Kids, are, he he kids could, are interested in mortgage right. payments. You know, I'm, I'm saying that like, <laughs> exactly. you, you want to talk to kids again. By the way, just just <laughs> they say about Rav Scheinberg. By the way, when he would pass a newspaper in yeah. New York and see the Yankees lost, it's a teeth and value. It would it, hurt him. It, yeah, it, it yeah, sure, him a sure, bit, yeah. Sure. So, so, you know, I just just last thing you should look it up yourself. I don't know if you saw it. Um, do a, a Google search for Limud football. Okay, what will that tell us? There's a there's a. I happen to have stayed in their in their their home in the Vedanil. I was lecturing there. Um, this adorable 16, 17-year-old kid made videos uh, with clips of football games um, teaching laws of Shabbos and, and laws of carrying because you have to carry right. the public to the private right. domain. I used to do this in my class 35 years ago when I taught um, Elon Bussa knife. There's a tree on the air. Mikla right. sticks on the inside. The right. My kids hated. Oh, Rebbe, what do you think Mayo would say for the back <laughs> of the class? Oh, another thing we really need in our lives, you know? So I used to give example. I always had sports examples for stuff. So I used to give an example um, that that if use I, I use exactly what this kid did. He's much better than I am. But if your feet a catch on the sidelines go by where your feet are, right. where the ball is, right. But in the end zone, it goes by breaking the plane. Correct. So this kid teaches Hilchas Shabbos. The laws of Shabbat is when you go from public domain to private domain. Right. So the the Talmud, the Mishnah, and the Talmud talk about what happens if your hand is in private and right. you stretch out to right. So he has a Julio Jones on the sideline <laughs> doing an Akira, putting a Hanukkah. I kid you not. I yeah, love you have to it. look it up. I it's, love it. It's, it's, he got, I, I boosted him all the time. He's got tens of thousands of years. I love it. And he, this kid really knows how to learn. The Hishata is, and, it's, it's, and then he, this kid's hysterical. So he says, he, he poses a question, like a Gemara head would do. He says, the sidelines, it goes by your feet. The end zone, it goes by, by your head. the ball. What happens if you catch the ball in the end zone with your feet out? Oh, my gosh. Is that you have great? to see it. It's hysterical. But that it's just great. the way you want to reach right. kids. Exactly. Robert Horowitz, I thank you. A pleasure. Check him out, everybody. Easy to find him uh, by searching. Follow Facebook, Twitter. Facebook, Twitter. Yaakov Horowitz. He's everywhere. Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz and thebrightbeginnings.com. That was my conversation with Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz, a recent guest on JM in the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in to JM Rewind. Plenty more coming up all through the day if you keep it here on a Tuesday at the Nahum Siegel Network.